I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul will make its boast in the Lord. The humble will hear it and rejoice. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Psalms 34 verses 1 to 4. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Bridge Radio. And we're coming at you from the great state of Texas. Texas. I am your host, A.W. Varilla, and in front of me, my co-host, Joey the Sidekick Velasquez. Yo. Yo, yo, yo. And like always, the president of this shindig, Steve the Boss, then Hartog. What's up, everybody? <laughs> so uh, how are you How are we doing? Uh, you just came back from a, a conference, a apologetics conference in Dallas. It was very good. It was with, uh, we had Greg Kokel, uh, James Warner Wallace, uh, Frank Turk, several others. We had... Uh, Really good sessions. It was geared more towards the youth, so we brought our daughter and her friend. Um, but I learned a lot too. So yeah. yeah, that was pretty cool. I was I was I was grilling her a little bit with questions uh, out there. So that, that's pretty exciting uh, that they have that for teenagers. Rethink conference. If you get a chance, it's well worth it. They have it all over the U.S. So uh, it's it's rethink. Just go to rethink.org or .com. I don't know what. But uh, check it out. It's really good. Wish I could have gone. I love apologetics. Yeah. Not, well, you've been doing apologetics, man. You've been, like, going back and forth with your JW friends, man, on uh, <laughs> Facebook or wherever, man, right? Yeah. How's so. that been coming along? Frustrating. Yeah. But, you know, it's it's not me who saves. So. Yeah, that is true. Well, uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, we have a super special podcast today. Uh, on the podcast, we have Carl and Debbie Dortzback on their book, Kidnap, by Harper and Rowe Publishing. Um, this is an older book. Mm -hmm. uh, what makes this book so special, though, Steve? Because I've known these people for the majority of my life, almost 50 years now, I guess, uh, yeah. way back when I was just a, a wee kid. Uh, on the mission field, they, mm. they came to the same mission compound that mm. uh, my parents and I were at. And uh, so I don't want to give away too much, yeah. but uh, it's a very exciting story. Uh, of seeing how God, uh, God's grace through it all and how he worked for his glory. And so I'm excited for them to tell it. Yeah, no, this is going to be, uh, uh, we were, we were reading through this book and yes, this is, this is a, a special book, uh, an older book, but as we, uh, unpack this in the po podcast, you'll, you'll see why this is, uh, so special. Uh, again, for our listeners, uh, please make sure that you subscribe to Bridge Radio. Um, we're on Apple, Android, Google, and Stitcher Radio. Uh, and please don't forget to um, uh, donate uh, if God moves uh, that in your heart. We are looking to uh, get into a bigger facility that we do have in mind. Mm -hmm. um, again, uh, we just want to stress this because we just keep popping at the seams with our just Bible studies, our uh, systematic theology, um, and just uh, other things that go on in this ministry. And we just feel that the Lord is leading this ministry to get into a bigger place. Absolutely. And, and just the impact that is having on the community in, of the city of Laredo. And, and again, uh, we can't do this without you. Um, these podcasts that we do are because of you mm -hmm. uh, in your uh, faithful giving to this ministry. And again, if the Lord does move you to give whatever amount, you guys have heard me say before that we will take anything, a penny, everything counts. And we do want to just say thank you to our 
uh, listeners. And I do want to give a shout out to our listeners in other countries. Um, we and in in here in the United States. So I keep looking that we have this awesome following in in California, out of all places. Uh, and I don't mean to say that as a, as an insult to our Californian Californian brothers and sisters, uh, but. Uh, thank you for listening. Um, it is pretty awesome that we have such a, a large listening audience in, in in California. So, again, if thanks you... For, thanks for listening to us. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, uh, we've been getting a larger following, too, in Europe and in Africa. Uh, so that's always interesting that, you know, we, we, we never know who's listening on the other end. We even had some in Ethiopia, I think. Right? Yes, absolutely. Yes. Uh, e- the Ethiopian, uh, 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 listeners are increasing. That's so awesome. that is pretty, pretty cool. So, uh, you guys are ready to get this, uh, podcast started, gentlemen. Let's, let's do, do it. it. All right, let's <laughs> do it. Thanks so much for being on, Carl and Debbie. This is just a real treat for me, especially. Like I said uh, in the introduction, which you guys didn't hear, but uh, <laughs> I've known you guys most of my life. And so to have you guys on for this podcast is just a real treat. So thank you so much. Um, before we actually get into kind of the meat of the story, the reason for the podcast, can you give us a little bit of background information on who you guys are? Carl and Debbie Dortzbach, where you live, what you do now, um, just a little bit of information along those lines. That's actually a really long story, so we'll try to make it really short. All right. <laughs> but um, uh, and I'll start, and then I'll let Debbie uh, pick it up. She's got a, a much more interesting story anyway than I do. Um, I'm presently uh, have just stepped down as being the director of a doctoral program in peace studies, which has its uh, focus and its center right now in Manila, the Philippines, mm-hmm. and it is a distance uh, learning program. So we actually have people from all over the world that uh, come for their uh, PhD program uh, in Manila. And it's, uh, it is a focus in peace studies. And unlike most peace studies programs, it is a program that actually works with church leaders and the background that church leaders typically have, which is not usually social sciences. Usually it's um, theology or uh, some area of, uh, of counseling or mm. something like that. So the, the fact that we pick up on that kind of a background is, is indeed a very different uh, focus for the program, but it's been really wonderful. Uh, actually, the church is the place of a lot of conflict. That is, it creates it, mm. uh, but it's also a place where a lot of conflict is found um, because we come out of broken lives and broken experiences, and we bring those broken lives and broken experiences into our faith community. And often uh, faith community leaders aren't very well equipped to help people actually deal with the conflict in their lives. That's actually what started the program. And uh, we're just real, real thankful that uh, God has given us some some great opportunities in some uh, fun parts of the world. Mm. Um, just touched down on a few of them. Uh, we have um, a participant who's just now finishing his dissertation in Sri Lanka. Um, Sri Lanka, he was working with the Tamil Tigers as the Tamil Tigers were um, basically being uh, completely stamped out by the government uh, troops. A number of, uh, just a few years ago. Mm. Uh, we also have um, uh, an individual working on their dissertation that will be uh, looking at uh, refugee camps mm. in, uh, in Uganda. 
uh, and the conflict that is not only creates uh, those refugee camps, but also the conflict that continues on in the camps, and and how especially um, women who are single heads of households deal with the kind of conflict that's around them and how they try to put their lives back together. Mm. We have another participant um, from Beirut, Lebanon, who is asking the question, how really do Arabs uh, do reconciliation? Mm. Uh, most of the methodologies of reconciliation that are typical, that come, uh, most of them come from the West, uh, don't work in an Arab culture in the Middle East. And we wonder sometimes in the West, why is it things are don't ever seem to get a um, get ahead? Well, he's actually addressing that question. What, what's different culturally right. about the way things are done in the Middle East? So it's a really, it's a, it's been a wonderful um, work. I've been involved in that for about the last 15 years. Mm. Uh, and it is attached to a, a, a theological school. Uh, so uh, it's been it's just been a joy to be able to see God raise up people, uh, men and women, uh, in that program. Right. And I'll let Debbie talk about what she does. <laughs> All right. Debbie, what do you Awesome. Thank you. Well, I, I'm, I'm very blessed to be married to a man of conflict. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully not in your marriage. <laughs> because I provide him a lot of opportunities to resolve it. That's funny. That's great. Um, he's, he's been a rich blessing in my life. I could, I could ask for no better opportunity hmm. to discover God's grace in marriage, for sure. We've been married actually 48 years wow. together, wow. and we've had a wonderful, wonderful opportunity to see God at work in our lives. I am a nurse, and I have witnessed the Lord uh, working uh, not only in my own life, but in the lives of many, many others. And I've, I've worked um, and, and been delighted to work in communities. And mm. most recently, um, well, I guess for the last 15 years or so, I've been focusing on the family. And uh, I work throughout Africa and also Asia quite a bit with World Relief, um, a Christian organization based right here in Baltimore where we live, and that's what brought us to Baltimore. But I work internationally still. And um, the, the family is really the, the core of everything. And it's where um, our values are shaped. It's mm. where relationships are formed. It's where uh, conflict also is formed. And um, realizing that out of the family can, can grow the seeds of resolution and faith an opportunity to reform our world, um, sure. bless it. So uh, the program I direct is called Families for Life. Hmm. And it's really been a, a rich experience in um, working to strengthen uh, families and marriages. Gotcha. Uh, and it was born out of the HIV crisis, Okay. Um, actually, uh, initially. Gotcha. So that's an international uh, organization, yes. right? You work internationally, yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Yes, and you might think that, yeah, what what's that got to do with nursing? But it has everything. Sure. When you look at health in a holistic perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. Uh, can you tell us about moving to the mission field in Ginda, and what were your responsibilities? We were young. We mm. were really young. We did not know what we were doing. How, how young? Can you just <laughs> tell our listeners how young? <laughs> We were only 24, 23 years old, actually. Oh, wow. And, um, 
and and Steve was even younger. Yeah. That is <laughs> yeah. Because I did. I was like six, and, I think. Yeah. It's a, it's a wonder you you survived, Carl. Steve. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we were we were so thrilled to to actually be welcomed by your family, Steve, and especially your your dad was my mentor and uh, hero. Um, the one who who taught me everything mm. about uh, engaging in in help mm. in a very very foreign place. So he set me on my feet mm. on foreign soil mm. and enabled me to discover. Um, and in fact, uh, a lot of that discovery was um, something I never ever expected in the one year internship that took us there. I'll let Carl describe uh, how we got there. Mm -hmm. All right. It uh, it is actually uh, true. Not only was it uh, at the now seeming the tender age of twenty four, but um, mm -hmm. I was in the middle of my seminary work, and uh, we from the time we had met. Uh, well, it wasn't from the time we had met, but uh, we had decided while we were actually engaged and um and courting that we really were both interested in missions mm -hmm. and it was from the time that we met that, that we we recognized that god had called both of us into some form of of christian ministry mm -hmm. uh, for debbie it was uh, it was in medical missions i didn't see medical missions in my career mm -hmm. um but but we did see God calling us into some form of ministry and service. So when I was in seminary, by then it was just two years after we were married, we felt that it would be good to take a year out of seminary and, and actually extend my seminary work uh, by a year and, and just spend that year uh, in some international uh, uh, mission environment. Understand back in, in those days, that was 1973, uh, short-term mission trips didn't happen. Hmm. Uh, now they're, uh, they're as common as, um, as, as a vacation. Yeah. Hmm. And sometimes I think that's almost what they are. Hmm. Um, but, but in those days, it just didn't happen. Uh, it, uh, mission boards didn't consider it even a possibility. And so we presented ourselves to a mission uh, board uh, that uh, was actually the, the committee of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church at the time and said, Debbie's a nurse, Carl's a teacher. Do you have any place where you could use those skills mm -hmm. for a year? And we actually corresponded with several different uh, uh, missionaries in different fields. And one said, uh, well, you can come to Korea if you're going to stay for 40 years. Wow. And I thought, <laughs> 40 years I, I have no intention of staying for 40 years <laughs> i don't think god called me to do that <laughs> so i i crossed korea off my list yeah, and, uh, you know it was a similar kind of thing and it was another response in japan not, not gonna cross yeah. that one off but we got a response back from the from the folks in, in Eritrea uh, mm -hmm. saying, well, actually, there was a nurse who was uh, going on leave for a year. Huh. They really needed somebody to stand in her place and, and help with the hospital. And uh, and there were there were a couple of um, missionary kids that actually were being homeschooled. <laughs> and their mother sort of had her hands up in the air saying, <laughs> giving up. <laughs> I wonder who, who that was. You thought Japan I, was going to be tough. <laughs> <laughs> and so we, we looked at it. We said, well, 
you know, if nothing else, then we can at least fill those two roles. Absolutely. Uh, because I was in the middle of seminary, I, I, I was interested in being able to do some, uh, some leadership, some church leadership training. But uh, my goodness, in English, hmm. uh, the possibility of doing that in English was pretty remote. Yeah. And, and we recognized that we had to operate out of, uh, out of an English only. Um, but I was able to do a little bit of, uh, of teaching of some of the elders there. All that had to be translated. Everything we did had to be translated. We, we never got any level of accomplishment in the, in the language mm. at all. Mm. But it was, it was those skill sets that took, that took us, for me teaching, for Debbie Nursing, mm. uh, that took us to Eritrea. And, uh, and it was simply the response of people saying, yes, we could actually use those, those skill sets. Um, and and incorporate them in the work that's going on. Yeah, mm. and use them well. You did. I don't. Uh, I still remember clearly your teaching, Carl, about the tabernacle. So <laughs> some some of it did rub off on me. <laughs> well, I'm I'm thankful some some of it did. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, that, that was core experiential learning. I, I remember making uh, making the model. That's probably yes. why it stuck with you. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's exactly. That's why I remember that. So. And now I'm finishing up a, a degree in seminary, so it only took me 50 years. But I, I find <laughs> it, we're going full circle here, I guess. That's great. I guess. Uh. So now, Debbie, uh, can you please recount the events of the day you and Anna, um, I don't know how to pronounce the last name. Strickwerda. 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 Were, were kidnapped. Can you please recount, uh, recall that? Yes, that was quite the eventful day when Anna and I were taken from our normal activities in the hospital, which was a very, very busy day. Anna was in the middle of an operation with Gil and Hartog, and uh, she was had just um, returned, I think, to the clinic to, to do some follow-up. I was manning the, the main floor and getting supplies. It was, it was um, in the middle of a cholera epidemic so we were extremely busy the clinic was was jammed with people a monday morning so everyone had been waiting anxiously over the weekend and i had seen carl off for the day he went to the capital city to do some research that day i'd taken uh, meat out of the freezer to make him his favorite meal for dinner and went on over to the busy clinic getting uh, iv started and uh, prepared for uh, a rush day when um, I saw in the middle of the hall that everyone was suddenly quiet and there in front of me was a man with a, a mask pulled over his face oh, wow. and uh, a pistol pointing at me. Well, in the middle of a Monday morning in broad daylight with, with uh, hundreds of people around, I don't know what you would have done but I ran away. You know, I, I thought, um, th this guy's crazy, and I'm not going to look for shelter. So I went to a locked room and hid myself inside, but then realized what a coward I was. And uh, there were a lot of people there, and probably I had the answer to what he wanted. He probably wanted medicine. He was probably from the Liberation Front. And uh, if I got it for him everything uh, would return to normal. So I went back to him and asked him what he wanted. And instead of answering, he pulled me uh, with him uh, roughly and uh, through the clinic and outside. 
where I saw a whole band of men with machine guns and rifles and, and Anna standing next to me. Um, <clears throat> she'd already been pulled from the clinic and uh, she said, don't be afraid, Debbie. God is with us. Mm -hmm. um, and her, her last words um, to me, to anyone, but how, how profound and how prophetic. Mm -hmm. And uh, De Debbie, can we just get a little just uh, background where Eritrea is? And uh, I, I don't think we touched on about uh Steve's dad and um, what what he was doing is we know that he was a doctor where uh, uh, because I think that we were having our conversation and then I would ask you who were they specifically looking for uh, when they entered the, the 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 hospital or compound where all this is going on uh, so we can just kind of paint a little picture to our listeners uh, about what's happening. And yeah, a little bit of the, the background. political background yes. information. You mentioned the liberation uh, forces that had come in. Who were they? Why were they there? Yeah, the, Eritrea had been fighting for independence from, or seeking, I should say, independence from Ethiopia for a number of years. Mm. And uh, this liberation army had been um, lurking uh, forming in the highlands mm -hmm. around the main um, the main arteries of the country for a long time, blowing up bridges, uh, taking other hostages from who had been doing some mining or excavation in the in the land, and we knew about them, of course, but they had never uh, done anything to uh, mission organizations or like ours. Um, and uh, Dr. Den Hartog, Gil Den Hartog, was actually uh, Steve, Steve's dad, hmm. the doctor and director of our mission hospital. Um, it, the day of, of this event, he was definitely the sought after person as hmm. the director of the American Evangelical Mission. Wow. And um, he was in the middle of doing major surgery. He was a surgeon, well-known, well-loved in the whole region, actually, and um, was the person who would have been a very uh, significant catch mm. had they been able to get him. Um, but thankfully, the, um, the staff kept him in the middle of surgery where he was, and um, they were not able to find him, even though they, they had staked out the environment the weekend before, we, we think, yeah. uh, and presumed he would be in the clinic hmm. where they came because he had been there uh, on the weekend uh, before. So right. it was a very well-executed plan had it gone according to what they expected. Yeah. One thing I really appreciate about your book is that in the beginning first pages you actually have a map of the hospital and yes. and the movements of uh when you got captured and then um uh, uh anna got captured so just yes. kind of uh, giving people an idea of what mm -hmm. the um the hospital looked like uh, and i found it very interesting as you have in the book you have arrows going in and when it, um you guys were captured 
and then where the uh, sterilization room, the operating room is, and everything that's going on, how, how, yeah, this place is, there's mm-hmm. a lot of just rooms in, it, mm-hmm. in there, yes, and, and Steve's right. dad was doing surgery. So. Yes, that's right. Yeah, and so Debbie, you, uh, mm-hmm. they brought, uh, well, you outside, uh, Anna was already out there, and then yes. what happened after that? <laughs> well, um, Anna, Anna and I locked arms. Um, I was deeply, deeply encouraged by her words. Mm. And we were praying together. The men beat us and forced us to run. Mm. Uh, we had no idea where we were going or what they were going to do, but it was clear that we had no option. So uh, they forced us to run behind the hospital far, far into the, a dry riverbed. And uh, more and more soldiers would come along, and um, it was an attempt to get away mm-hmm. as far away as possible from the hospital area because they they thought there would be pursuit, perhaps by the Ethiopian army. Mm-hmm. So Anna struggled to keep up. She was wearing uh, shoes that didn't stay on her feet, mm-hmm. and um, as as they were bleeding, we were still holding on to each other, but. Noticing that she could not keep up, mm-hmm. the men tore her from me and then shot and killed her. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a very hard moment. Um, they didn't give me a chance to to stay with her. Mm-hmm. They just forced me ahead. And in my desperation, um, in fact, I called to the very God that Anna said, mm-hmm. uh, would never leave us mm-hmm. who was with us mm-hmm. those parting words from anna are are strong yeah. <laughs> we're strong yeah. at that at that moment and continue to be strong to this day I'll bet. um and it is the essence of the gospel yeah. that amen. um god is with us mm-hmm. emmanuel amen yeah. um whether we are in the crux of the deepest disappointment of our life or at the end of our life mm-hmm. Uh, we do not need to fear uh, eternity hmm. if we know <laughs> the Lord is with us. Amen. Yeah. Amen. And that is how Anna faced the end of her life. Yeah. Wow. Uh, knowing that God was with her. And uh, she she did not know that the mm-hmm. end was right there. Right. Yeah. She had that confidence that God would be with her no matter what. Yeah. And, and she trusted that the Lord Jesus uh, had cleansed her from from sin, from the sin that she knew she could do nothing about in her own strength, Hmm. but that he had taken that from her through his work in being the perfect sacrifice in removing that sin, the sacrifice that God had made in giving his own son, Hmm. uh, the Lord Jesus. Hmm. And um, that free gift that the Bible tells us um, was his gift to us, to mankind. Um, he, He gave. Um, through Jesus, and and Anna believed that, and that was a huge testimony that Carl can also tell you more about at her funeral um, that your dad was at, that you yeah. were, I, I don't even know that you were at, but um, that that Anna uh, was, her life and even her death was testimony of, I was not there, because uh, after some time, there was a helicopter, which I thought was for rescue, but it actually took me further into the mountains for the Sudan border where I stayed 
an unparalleled 26 days. Wow, 26 show. days. So, so, so can we go to that, uh, Debbie, a little bit? So, um, uh, the tragedy of what happened to uh, Anna while you guys were together mm -hmm. and uh, uh, she was shot by these men. Now, yes. if you can just take us through uh, just what's happening after that, um, because a helicopter did come and get you guys yes. to take you away. Uh, and, and I do want to touch on some of the some of these things while you are uh, held captive uh, during mm -hmm. this time period and, and, and what's going on in 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 that moment and just thinking about God, thinking about Carl, just everything mm -hmm. that might have just been going uh, on through your head, which you, you do talk about in the book. But uh, if maybe we can just uh, touch a little bit with our listening audience about that time that you are a, a captive. Yes. Well, certainly that was a very, very hard time. Yes. I, I had no idea if I would be killed myself. Mm. It, it, there was no way to escape. I had no idea where I was. Mm. I was pregnant oh, with wow. our first child. Mm four and a half months. Mm -hmm. And by the time I was released, it was five and a half months. Mm -hmm. So uh, I worried about food. I worried about the health of my baby. Mm -hmm. I, um, I I had no assurance of, of, of any medical care or, um, I, and, and I was depressed. Mm -hmm. I felt abandoned. Mm -hmm. Like maybe it would have been better if I had died along with Anna. Mm -hmm. That this seemed like an eternity of of um, of hopelessness, and that doubt and despair overcame me many many times. And I think that often is true of life as well. Mm -hmm. That we we need to recognize that we we have those low moments in our life of uncertainty and. Of, of just being overwhelmed by by crises and situations that we can't handle. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't, we, they're out of control. There's nothing we can do yeah. about the situation we are facing in front of us. We all have those experiences. Mm -hmm. And I had nothing I could turn to. I didn't have people around me. I didn't have family. No one could understand me, even in language. Um, but once again, once again, I had the Lord. Mm, yeah. He said he would never, ever leave me. And uh, even though I, I didn't have his word to read, I had learned it as a child. Mm -hmm. And that memory came back. Wow. <laughs> I also had his creation. Mm -hmm. And nothing will stop. Nothing will stop God from showing us who mm -hmm. he is. Mm -hmm. He can use an insect. He can use a bird flying in the sky. He can use the tender voice of a person. He can use so many different ways to say, I'm still here. Wow. And I'm going to show you that I love you and I will take care of you. That's amazing. Even though you don't know the outcomes. Mm. That's amazing how even Jesus told his disciples that the Holy Spirit would remind them of all the things that he taught them and how you, even though you heard or learned this as a child, that the Holy mm -hmm. Spirit was able to remind you even of those things at that time. And yes. how even in Romans, it says that the creation itself bears witness that there is a God and how that is enough for us to know God is real and he mm -hmm. is with us. So exactly. that's, that's just incredible to see scripture alive in a person's life. And um, that's just really amazing to me. Yes. 
Can you talk a little bit about that, Debbie, about, uh, I think specifically about the Ravens? Um, yes, I will. I'll, I'll share with you. Uh, well, there's so many stories sure, I yeah. here, but the, I, I did feel very much like the Old Testament prophet Elijah right. who mm. was feeling extremely down one day and said, you know, God, you've really left me. Mm. You've, 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 you've really left me alone this time. Mm. And he was sitting under a tree and felt so abandoned. And, and, and God said, nope, I haven't. Mm. Um, and he sent ravens to uh, to, to feed him, mm. and uh, and he and he and he drank from a brook. And as I was remembering that story, um, there were birds swooping around me, mm. uh, seemingly from nowhere, mm. just as a reminder yeah. <clears throat> to me. I, you know, I I don't know where they came from, right. yeah. but it actually didn't matter. And no, they didn't bring me food. (laughs) (laughs) They didn't have to. It was just uh, that association. Right. And that beautiful reminder. I will will also tell you this because I am a woman and there were male guards around me all the time. Sure. It was not easy. Hmm. And um, as a a child in, in first grade, I had memorized in the King James Version, <laughs> Psalm 91. <laughs> and there's awkward language in King James Version. And it talks about the noise and pestilence and, you know, that he will give his angels charge over you to give you um, protection both day and night. And I prayed that psalm um, at, at night when the guards would be sleeping next to me. Sure. And sometimes a guard would come and make advances, yeah. but I prayed for the protection of those angels mm. and God w- would 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 just comfort me mm. wow. and and assure me that again the Lord was with me. Mm. Wow. Wow. Um uh and Carl, uh if we can just uh talk to Carl um real quick about what what's going on with you, Carl. You find out that uh Debbie is uh, kidnapped um and can you just uh tell our audience what's going on um just all your feelings uh uh, i'm sure that is very distressful like your wife is gone uh you're gonna be a dad you know that uh you have a kid coming in uh several months and and so what's what's going on right now during this time uh for you carl as your information is is coming to you well, the story certainly was um, uh, a front side and a back side. And uh, mm-hmm. the front side is definitely Debbie's, uh, Debbie's part of the story. Uh, the back side was, uh, was as you put it, my, my side of the story. Uh, I'd actually gone, the day that she was taken, I'd gone to the provincial capital of Ismata to uh, work on a paper for seminary. I, you know, remember I was in seminary. So I was, uh, I was writing a paper and I was interviewing different people for that. And uh, it was quite a normal day. And, and I think, you know, as I look back on it and as I've reflected on it many times, it's often in the midst of our, what we think is a normal day mm. uh, that God breaks through that. And there are circumstances and events that, that uh, are completely overwhelming. And we begin to discover far more who we are. And by God's grace, we sometimes begin to discover more of who God is. Mm. And that was really my experience in that day because I, you know, I was stopping for lunch. Um, the mission owned an apartment in the, in the 
provincial capital. I was there. They were actually able to get me by telephone. You know, you think about that in today's terms. They well, <laughs> telephone's always there, right? We had a cell phone in our pocket. Yeah. But in those days, there weren't cell phones. Yeah. <laughs> no. And um, and actually, getting a connection was uh, was not simple. Mm. Uh, but they they were able to to reach me by phone, and uh, it was a very broken up connection, very distant. Uh, and all I got was that the hospital had been raided. Uh, by the Liberation Army, and um, and I needed to go back. That the Debbie and Anna had been taken. Mm-hmm. That was all I knew, and so I was instructed to stop by the American Embassy and alert them. Uh, it was a holiday there, and so nobody was picking up the telephones. So um, I did. I stopped by there first, and then I uh, made my way on down to the to the hospital compound. It took about an hour to get down there after I had attempted to stop uh, by the embassy. And once I got there, I, actually before I arrived at the hospital, uh, and I began to, to turn in to the long dirt driveway that led to the hospital, I began to see a lot of people gathering um, and and a very characteristic wailing of death. It was a death wail that sort of would send chills down your back, mm. and uh, it was very very characteristic of mm. uh, of Ethiopia and certainly of Eritrea. Uh, and so I knew that there was not good news that was going to meet me, but I didn't know what the news was going to be. Mm. I had no sooner gotten the car stopped and I than the news was given, and that was that uh, Anna um, Anna's body had been found. Mm. And had been brought back. Um, she had been shot with a single, uh, a single shot uh, in in the in the head, and died probably immediately. Mm. And uh, but actually, uh, Debbie was nowhere to be seen. Mm. Uh, the difficulty was that there were two shots that had been heard, mm. and only one had been used to um, uh, to dispatch Hannah. Mm. And so to to understand what. Uh, what was next was um, was a real mystery for me, mm. and we gathered as a uh, as a, as a mission, uh, both missionaries and a number of the of the national um, hospital workers as well to pray. Uh, I mean, what else do you do? Yeah. And, and as we gathered to pray, uh, the Lord just put on my heart a, uh, a portion of scripture from Romans, uh, and I and, and I recognized that that. You know, I hadn't done anything to advise God, and I couldn't advise him now. Mm. Uh, I couldn't ask him for anything. Mm. Uh, Not really. I couldn't, I mean, in a sense, I couldn't demand anything from him. Uh, But that everything, uh, whether it was uh, what I could understand or what I couldn't understand, was going to be from him and for him and to him. That it was going to be his glory that would be uh, radiated in this. And I remember praying very clearly at that time that God would bring about uh, a an end to the story that only uh, only He could think of, only He would do. Mm-hmm. So it was clear that uh, that it wasn't going to be by human intervention, but by divine intervention. Mm-hmm. Now the problem with praying a prayer like that is that I I actually didn't mean it. <laughs> <laughs> At least you're honest. Yes, thank you for the honesty, Carl. You know, it, it was it was theologically right, but 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 I I wanted to be the center figure in that. Yeah. Uh, you know, I wanted to have a central place in bringing something to pass. Mm. 
and uh, and being an actor, an actor, yeah, right. and an act later in in whatever God was going to do. Mm. But actually, God answered the prayer as I prayed it, not as I wanted it. Yeah. <laughs> and it was over the intervening weeks then that we began to see that everything we did, uh, everything the mission did, everything the American Embassy did, uh, was to no avail. Mm-hmm. Uh, mission agencies uh, uh, acted cooperatively. There were uh, schools that were shut down. There were clinics that were shut down. There were mm-hmm. hospitals that were shut down to attempt to bring about um, some pressure on the liberation front. We still didn't know, even at the end of a week, whether Debbie was alive mm-hmm. or not. Wow. We had received assurances that she was, mm-hmm. but we didn't really know that she was, uh, you know, culturally you're told what somebody wants you to know right. or wants, thinks you want to know sure. or thinks you want to believe. And so mm. that's, I knew that's what, what we were being told, but we didn't really know if she was alive or not. Uh, after a week uh, had gone by, we actually got a, uh, a letter and it was um, something that she had uh, had written. So I, I, I knew that at least at some point she was alive, but it had taken some days for that letter to reach us. Yeah. And so we didn't know what had happened in the in-between time. You yeah. know, uh, again, no cell phone, no direct uh, connection. It was very difficult to uh, comprehend uh, what what really was there. We did everything we could uh, in Esmada to, to follow through the, the leads, but there was uh, o- only a dead end every place we went. Um, and that happened for a, a number of weeks. Now, two weeks had gone by, and, uh, and I remember we gathered for prayer actually with, with a large body of believers in, in Asmara. And there were a lot of people after that that said, that came to me and said, Carl, uh, God has told me that uh, Debbie would be released by the end of the week. And I thought, it's funny you didn't tell me that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I wish wish you would have shared that with me. Yeah. Oh boy! Um, and I and I realized that 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 everybody is is well meaning, yeah. and and we sometimes want to put words in God's mouth. Yeah. I, I wanted to put words in God's. I wanted to tell God, you know, Lord, uh, you. You work at, at on my pace, and you use me. Don't use anybody else. Hmm. And other people wanted to say, "Oh, God's given me a special message of, of revelation, information mm. that Debbie released." None of that was true. Hmm. Uh, God's word didn't have any of that in it. And so we were all trying to um, sort of bargain with God in a yeah. real way. Uh, and it happened finally that we did get a letter yeah. from the Eritrean Liberation Front, and it actually had the demands. Uh, and they they put the demands out there, and I, uh, you know, my my first response was, well, okay, uh, I'll I'll figure out how to meet those demands. Tell mm-hmm. me exactly what you want, exactly how much money is supposed to be there. I had that letter in my head, I actually starting to write it. I shared my thoughts with some of our some of our colleagues, and. Um, and then I met this deadly silence. Uh, everybody said, uh, you know, Carl, uh, do you know who you're dealing with? And I said, well, not really. Uh, so even if you met the demands was the question, do you have any real expectation that that would be released? And I said, well, actually, no. Uh, and so then I, I had to realize that uh, actually there was really only one answer I could give, and that was no, hmm. that I wouldn't meet 
the demands uh, of any ransom demands that was held against Debbie's life. Um, it's a bit odd, I guess, for somebody at 24 to be doing the negotiation for um, for their own family member, for their oh. own wife. Hmm. But back in those days, uh, that's what it was. There was no negotiation team. I was it. Yeah, wow. And, and I had um, uh, good colleagues that were helpful. But that letter and that uh, discourse went back and forth a number of times. Uh, and eventually they lowered the demands. And, and I thought, well, we're making good progress. And I also thought, well, Lord, you see that I've, I've done the right thing. So surely now Debbie's going to be released, right? I, you know, I still didn't get it. I was still bargaining with God. Wow. Um, and I, I, I think it's, in, it's indicative of what many of us want to do. We want to bargain with, with God. We want to say, but, but God, I've done these good things. Right. Yeah. And, and, and surely if I've done these good things, then you ought to honor me by either, either giving me what I would desire mm-hmm. or certainly you ought, to, you ought to embrace me into your presence. Yeah. And, but, but God doesn't bargain. Yeah. He simply says, acknowledge mm. your need. Yeah. Acknowledge that it's not about you. Yeah. It's, it's about me. That's yeah. what he wants us to do. And he had to bring me to that place where I had to recognize, no, it's not about me. Yeah. It is about God. So we had this set of letters that went back and forth a number of times. And finally, we got a letter that said just simply that I'd been uncooperative. Well, I guess that was true. I had been uncooperative. <laughs> uh, but for whatever reason, uh, they, the, the letter said very clearly, I would be responsible for the next mistake. And they called mm. Anna's uh, death a mistake. And wow. now there was going to be a second mistake. Mm. I knew what that meant. Wow. Uh, and I, I went to bed that night thinking, so because of my so-called faith, Debbie dies. Carl goes back to the U.S. alone, hmm. and it's the end of the story. Hmm. Uh, it was a dark night. Yeah. Wow. Uh, it was a dark night of my soul when I had to hmm. uh, face not only the future, but I had to face the fact that I was, I was deep into this negotiation with God, and and what I had to do, and it, it, it came through the night, through the rustle of the night. Hmm. It was the recognition that I had to release all of that back. To to the hand of God to recognize it was not about me, but as I had prayed in the beginning, it was to be about God's glory. Yeah, and and only God could work, uh, and it wasn't going to be about me. It was going to be if He was going to do it, it was going to be about Him. And if I went back to the U.S. alone, it would still be about Him. Right? Yeah, I I think um I think I. I uh, just going back to you, Debbie, when in your book, when you're thinking about Carl and the letter that you uh, were going to write to Carl. And, and I, I just want to read this part just so that our listeners know, um, as you're thinking about Carl and you go on, in your book, you say, God, you have brought us together. And now we are part. I don't know why or for how long, but help me trust you. And then you prayed and then wrote. Dearest Carl, the Lord is our strength and our salvation. I am praying God will glorify. I am praying for you. Please be assured my love is constant and growing in love to his praise and his love, Deb. Hmm. I, that was very powerful when I was just reading that. And I, I was just like, whoa, yeah. that is that is 
of just just focusing, Carl, as you're saying that this is about God. Uh, he is our salvation and that he will get glorified in everything because yeah. we, we see that in Scripture. So I just yeah. wanted to read that to our audience. Yeah. Telling your story, Carl, just reminds me of it, it's almost like a living parable of the gospel. Kind of going back to what you were talking about earlier, Debbie, as well, in that, you know, we don't negotiate with God. Everything that he gives us comes from his mercy yeah. and his his sovereign providential oversight over our lives. It's, you know, it's all based on what he he decides to do for us uh, in his grace. And uh, I just see that lived out in in that testimony of, of you know the whole story with the with the kidnapping and what you were going through, mm-hmm. Carl and uh, you know Debbie, your story and relating what Anna had said to you, it's just an an amazing thing how it points back to the grace of God, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. Um, uh, I mean, I I don't know why this book has not been made a movie in the Christian world. <laughs> I mean, uh, we 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 have just so just so little time. I mean, there's just so much I know, in there's here. There's so much more we'd like to talk about. I, I know, like I mean, <laughs> I I really I really do, and um, you know, one of the one one of the last questions here before we start landing this plane is is how did God use this experience? If you can uh, to glorify Himself now, where you guys are at now in this. A moment in time, and just kind of touch on everything uh, of what you guys uh, served the Lord through. You know, all this, all this time after this happened to where you guys are now, and how that, how this event, can, how God continually glorifies Himself through this event as you guys are in this moment in time. So obviously, Debbie, you you were released eventually. <laughs> yes, right? yes, you are back in the U.S. <laughs> Um, so after 26 days, you were released, and uh, you and you and Carl joined up together again. I think it was down. Was it in Misawa, Carl? It was. Yeah. It was. Uh, we took a long drive down. I took a long drive down, and uh, uh, found her actually in the second story of a mosque. Um, oh. uh, it was a sheikh's mosque, and uh, and she was delivered to one of the sheikhs. Uh, in in Misawa, and wow. that's where I picked her up. Wow! And Misawa is you a know, seaport by the Red Sea. Oh wow! That's correct. Yes, and uh, so it was, and that's where she was taken out. I'll let her sort of maybe share that last journey. But I, I want to just answer that question of you know wh- what has God done since? Sure. Yeah. This this story for me has been very much a part of um, enabling me to do a lot of what I do. I mm. I, I directed a program in in peace studies. And a number of years ago, when I was uh, working in a conflict zone in Liberia, uh, I began to realize how powerful the story actually was. I I was uh, standing with uh, a number of people who had enormous losses in their lives uh, because of the war uh, in Liberia. And then later it would happen to me in Rwanda Mm. and in Burundi uh, and in Congo, people who had suffered enormously. And, and this story uh, has been used again and again by God uh, simply to enter into people's lives that, that wanted to basically partition themselves off and say, well, I'm, 
I'm, I'm deciding to forgive and forget. Right. And of course, they neither forgive nor mm. forget. Right. <laughs> uh, they only treasure the hurt sure. even more. And uh, by God's grace, this story has been, it's God's story. It's mm. a story of God entering our lives of pain, of sorrow, and of brokenness. Mm. And, and of redeeming that pain and of redeeming that brokenness. And, and that, that is the way that God has used that story in my life and in my present ministry. Mm, wow. I, you know, so I continue to tell the story uh, to every class mm. that, I, that I lead again right. um, because it's so critical uh, to understanding Jesus as the peacemaker Amen. and yeah. the peace bringer. Yeah, yeah. that's beautiful. I feel that God um, gave me life back again, hmm. not only me, but also our child and, and two others that he blessed us with. Our son um, was born weighing a very healthy eight pounds, 14 ounces, <laughs> which is just amazing. Hmm. Um, when I was released, the, the, the captors gave me a live lamb, wow. which was impressive and and. They said, you know, Jesus was the perfect lamb of mm. God. Yeah. They gave it to us. And um, I said, how did you know? And they said, well, I went to a Christian school, mm. a missionary school. Uh, and I know. And later there will be time to discover more about who Jesus is. Mm. I also learned that that same soldier was killed in battle just a, a week later. Mm. So it was humbling to think about um how do we seize the moment we have to mm. really think about who Jesus is and right. to accept him? The, the opportunity that we have right now mm. to say, Lord, I need you. I, I cannot uh, face you eternity without you. Mm. And now is the moment to consider my life and yeah. who I am before you and to receive the peace and freedom that you will give me, mm. the freedom lamb. Amen. Um, and, um, so that we, we enjoyed that lamb very much, um, <laughs> the freedom. And uh, e eventually we did come back to the States and we did, we did uh, stay for a couple of years, but went back to Africa for another 20, well, almost 30 years, I guess, and then came back to the States. But we're so blessed that God has enabled us to continue to, to serve and to, to steward the time and, and ministry and experiences that he gave. Yeah. And we're, we're so blessed that his word is with us and that as, he, as Anna said on the steps of that hospital when her life was just about to end, uh, don't be afraid, Debbie. God is with us. Yeah. Amen. Wow. Amen. And uh, as, we, as we close it out, uh, Carl, I'm wondering if you would just... Uh, recap the gospel with us, but I'm wondering if you would do it kind of through the lens of the uh, memorial service that was given for Anna Strickwerda, um, and especially through Umer. Um, I think he, he had some very special words to say there. Uh, Umer is, was Anna Strickwerda's uh, kind of adopted son. He was, uh, he was brought to the mission hospital as an orphan. His parents, uh, I think, had passed away, couldn't take care of him. And um, uh, so his brother brought him, and Anna basically adopted him and took care of him. And uh, so he was probably, what, seven or eight at mm -hmm. that time? Mm -hmm. And, uh, and uh, so I'm wondering, Carl, if you would just share the gospel with us, and especially through you know, through that lens of um, 
of what Umer had to share at the uh, at the memorial service there. Let me paint the picture uh, first uh, of that particular funeral service. Uh, it was um, actually the next day uh, because uh, there there was no means to preserve a body. So the funeral was actually the very next day. And uh, there in the courtyard of the hospital, her grave, uh, Anna's grave had been dug. Uh, word had gone out to the, to the town, to the town leaders. Mm. And, um, and I remember standing in the hot, hot sun with the, all the workers of the hospital all gathered around. And uh, we waited, and I couldn't quite understand why we were waiting. And uh, one, of, one of our colleagues who was leading the service said, um, we're waiting for the leaders to come. And then I looked up, mm. and I, coming over the hill was a line of perhaps 50 um, sheks and shums wow. uh, that were all leading, uh, at, were the town leaders. It was a very Muslim town. And they all came to pay their respects to Anna. And uh, there, uh, during the funeral, the words of Jesus were very clearly uh, proclaimed. I am the resurrection and the life. Mm. If anyone would come to me, uh, and I, we all I looked around and said, we've all come. Yeah. But not all of us, uh, not everybody here has come in the same sense. Some came because their feet brought them. Others came because their hearts brought them. Mm. Um, some recognized their own personal need. Some perhaps only came to look and to ponder. Uh, but all had to look down into that deep hole. Mm. The reality of death, the reality of the ending of life. And it was in the reality of that ending of life that we had to, to recognize that, that God does provide something besides uh, eternal death, yeah. uh, and uh, and it was not just um, uh, although the sun was hot, it was it was a deeply cold moment, sure. uh, cold in the heart, and uh, we we finished the service. It was a simple service. Uh, the hope of eternal life was clearly uh, proclaimed. Uh, Anna had that. Uh, she was in the presence of, the, of her Savior, and we could rejoice uh, in that, although it was painful to go through it. Um, I stood there wondering whether the next day we would have another funeral, yeah. because at that point we'd heard nothing about Debbie, and <clears throat> we were waiting for her body to be found. People were still looking for it mm. following that second shot. So I, I, I couldn't control my own my own emotions at that point. I, I was looking at the end, at Anna's end, at, at, at the end of, uh, of my life of, yeah. uh, as I knew it. And I stood back and I, and I watched in the shadows of the building. Uh, and there I saw Omer, mm. uh, this, uh, this child who had already lost his parents once and now, uh, lost an adopted mother. And I, I reached out to Omar and I, I said, I'm, I'm sorry, Omar. I don't know what to say. Hmm. <laughs> he looked at me and he smiled. Hmm. He said, why are you crying, Uncle Carl? That's what he called me. T today is my mother's festa. Wow. It's her festival. Wow. She's gone to be with Jesus. Hmm. So 
at that age, he understood very well that there was hope mm. in eternity mm. for those who understood who they were Amen. and had a new identity in Jesus Christ. Wow. Amen. Uh, it was a message from my heart to remind me. Mm. It was a message that summarized the day, and it was a message that summarized the story. Yeah. Amen. From the mouths of babes. Yeah. Wow. Well, Carl and Debbie, thank you for coming on Bridge Radio. I really wish we had more time to yeah. just unpack the book. But, ladies and gentlemen, um, again, this is the book called Kidnap by Harper and Roll Publisher. Uh, it is an older book. And, uh, Carl or Debbie, can you let people know where they can find this book still? Um, for our listening audience who's interested in reading the book and um, yeah, get just more details of uh, about the book and everything that was going on. Well, you've given the uh, uh, the details as it's possible. Right now, you can only get it on Amazon uh, used. <laughs> yeah, and uh, <laughs> that's uh, it is there. There are a lot of used copies out. Um, mm. Uh, we've we've had some desire actually to get it back into print, uh, and and I'll let Debbie talk about that. Yeah, we do plan to republish it. I think also Great Commission Publications had had a, a an edition out a while ago, but we would like to to republish, and so stay tuned. I think within the next year we'll probably have it out again. That's great. Yeah, I think this generation needs to. To read that book, especially just what what's going on and just seeing God's sign. We'll have a work. book signing and we'll get you guys out here to do a book signing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can you can you share with our yeah, listeners? Can you share with our listeners how they might uh, get a hold of you? Is there a, a website or email that you want to share, or some way that uh, they could contact you if they'd like? <clears throat> yeah, we have a complicated name. Okay. But <laughs> you are so welcome to contact us. Carl, would you give your... Yes, Uh, because it's a complicated name, uh, once you get the name, then you've got the place and you've got the address for both of us. So my my email is my first initial K and my second name, Dortzbach, at Mac, like the computer, dot com. That just makes it really simple. Um, And Debbie's is uh, equally simple. That's D, her first initial, and Dortzbach at Gmail. Uh, Everybody's got almost a Gmail account. And uh, if you you do LinkedIn, we're there, or Google us. You'll find us on Google. Yeah. All right. There you go. And it's it's Dortzbach, D-O-R-T-Z-B-A-C-H. That's correct. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you so much, Debbie and Carol. What a privilege. This has just yes. been amazing for me. Thank uh, you so just much. Just really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for coming on again. A blessing to be with you. All right. It has been a well. Yeah. Right. Perfect. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that concludes this episode of Bridge Radio. Um, what did you guys think about this? Super encouraging to me. Yeah. Really encouraging. Uh, I think for our listening audience, uh, Steve, I, I know that we didn't get to touch uh, too much about this but um um you uh were not there when the kidnapping happened and i did ask you do you think because you were home sick i believe i was sick that day yeah. yeah he was sick that day and i asked steve the other day i was like steve do you believe if you were there that you would have been taking taken and what did you what did you tell me well i would uh 
that age, I every day that I that I could, every opportunity that I had, I was over at the mission field playing soccer with some of the other missionary kids. And uh, unfortunately, I remember very distinctly being at home on the sofa that day because I felt lousy. And uh, just remembering my mom telling me what had happened. Otherwise, I would have been over at the mission field. So, I don't know. Maybe that was God's way of, of sparing me. You yeah. Know? Um, but, uh, yeah, just uh, having the opportunity to talk with them and live through that experience again, it's just such a blessing to see how God worked through that whole situation uh, to bring glory to himself. And, uh and so, yeah, we didn't touch. We didn't touch on what year it was. Nineteen seventy-four. Um, it was uh, July, nineteen seventy-four. Maybe the end of June, I guess. Yeah. So, um, again, um, that was just a great story. I re- I really hope. Uh, I, I think we should tag the Kendrick, Kendrick brothers on this when we when we um, uh, when this uh, with this podcast and see if they want to make a movie because I. Uh, you guys got to get the book, and yeah, I mean that was just an amazing podcast. So, yeah, yeah, um, well, uh, again, um, please uh, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, you can also reach us at uh, info at bridgemanlaredo.org, and or please visit our website at bridgemanlaredo.org. And you can go to the About Us page, or you can go down to the Learn tab and then click Radio so you can listen to past episodes and just wonderful topics that we've had here in the past. Uh, Again, guys, as we like to uh, end this show, uh, what is your only comfort in life and in death that I am not my own but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ? Amen. Amen. Later. Have a nice day, guys. Bye.